0: Uh, Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord, uh, for the the joy, the peace, Uh, Lord, all that we know in you, the many blessings. Father, we thank you uh, for music, which is encouraging and instructive. Father, pray that you'll meet with us this morning, that you'll work in uh, the adult class and the teen class as well lord help us to see the things that you would have us to see today and to apply them as you would have us to apply them lord for your honor and for your glory help each of us now i pray in jesus name amen you may be dismissed uh, youngsters Uh, those of us who are older please take your bible turn to isaiah 65 isaiah 65. Uh, we're gonna pick it up in verse 18 this morning that's where we left off i want to pretty quickly see the balance of Isaiah 65 and then march right into uh, Isaiah 66 next uh, Sunday morning. Zach will be teaching. A week after that, Lord willing, we'll launch our uh, new study through the book of Revelation. So uh, as you know, that's where we're heading. So you also know uh, Isaiah has been dealing with uh, future things, of course, Brother Ray, primarily future things being a prophet, right? But Uh, things that are uh, largely still future to us uh, in these last chapters um, of the book. I think in verses 18 and 19, we see the new Jerusalem, uh, of course, be part of the new heaven and the new earth, and then uh, returning to the millennium uh, in the balance of the chapter here. So let's see this quickly, and then we'll jump right into uh, the next chapter. Uh, Verse 18, he says, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I Uh, For behold, I create Jerusalem uh, a rejoicing and and her people a joy. Uh, So there's a reference to Jerusalem. Zach seems like it would be kind of out of place here if it wasn't a reference to the new Jerusalem. It says, And I will uh, rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. uh, And the voice of weeping shall be heard, uh, no more heard in her, uh, nor the voice of crying. So... Uh, we will be a people of joy. No more weeping, no more crying. Uh, I don't know uh, to what extent you may be tempted to weep or cry today, but certainly from time to time, uh, we encounter situations that uh, certainly take us there or lead in that direction. We'll be a people of joy. Uh, At that time, verse 19, um, the Lord uh, will rejoice uh, in us as well. So, Uh, There'll be joy among us and uh, joy vertically from the Lord toward us. And so uh, this of course is is part of our hope, our future hope, the new Jerusalem, uh, part of the new heaven and the new earth. Now uh, verse 20, I'll make an argument that uh, verse 20 kind of comes back a little bit on timeline for a moment and well for for a bit here uh, and deals uh, with the millennium. Uh, Verse 20 says this, There shall uh, shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not fulfilled his days. Uh, For the child shall die in a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old uh, shall be accursed. Now, um, why is it that one might conclude that that verse cannot be alluding to the, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth? Um, well, I think pretty clearly the Bible teaches, we'll see this in Revelation, uh, there'll be no death then. Uh, Revelation 21 says this, there should be no more death, nor, uh, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for former things are passed away. So uh, when we get beyond the millennium, brother Ray, to the new heaven and new earth, there'll be no more sorrow nor crying. Well, that's, that's consistent with the time of, of, the, of the millennium. Uh, and the New Jerusalem, but the idea that there will be no more death uh, would be consistent not with the millennium, but with the New Jerusalem only. Uh, we see uh, here in verse 20, and we could look other places. We won't for time's sake this morning. Uh, the idea that there will, in fact, be death during the millennium. to exactly remember who who it is that we believe uh, could die during the millennium. It's okay if you're not too sure. So we've said before, we've made the case that it appears that there will be. Uh, people at the end of the tribulation who will just walk into the millennium—they uh, evidently will have children. Those children will need to be saved. Uh, pe- appears they have a hundred years if we understand that verse literally, brother Ray. They have a hundred years to be saved, um, and after that, if if they don't, uh, if they're not saved, if they don't accept Christ, who they'll be able to see, uh, obviously, in a way that we cannot today. Uh, they they can expect to die as a consequence of, of their unforgiven sin. So uh, verse 20 pretty clearly is dealing with the millennium, and it establishes then the context for the balance of the chapter, uh, additional blessings regarding the millennium. Uh, we've seen this before, this idea before, that there will be a perfect economy uh, during the millennium. Zach, we have an economy today that I think People say, well we have a system that's probably the best system that the world has uh, developed up to this point, but certainly it's not the best that, it w- that we'll know. The, the, the economy of the millennium uh, will certainly be uh, a better system, it'll, it'll be a perfectly just system. Verse 21, they shall build houses and inhabit them, they shall plant vineyards and, and eat the fruit of them. Uh, they shall not build and another inhabit, they shall not plant and another eat, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people, uh, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. So there will be a just reward for labor. Uh, You could make a case that, that that is the case within our system today. You could make a case that it's it's not as just as it could be today. There will be a perfectly just reward for one's labor in the economic system uh, of the millennium. People will not want, and praise God for that. Uh, verse twenty three: They shall not labor in vain, uh, nor bring forth uh, for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, in uh, their offspring with them. So. Uh, anyone who feels that they have labored uh, and and been rewarded unjustly uh, in the economic system that we have today, well you have the you have the certain hope of a more perfect economic system uh, in the millennium. Uh, verse twenty four is regarding the Lord and prayer. Pretty interesting verse uh, verse twenty four uh, Isaiah writes and it shall come to pass that before they call. Uh, I will answer. Isaiah is writing, but clearly the Lord is speaking. Before they call, I will answer. Uh, And while they are yet speaking, uh, I will hear. Uh, Think about that for a second. Brother Ray, how do you understand this idea that the Lord will answer before the people call out to him? Uh, Calling out to him would be prayer, right? Uh, but here here we see the idea that during the millennium he he's going to answer before the prayers are even made uh it sounds before they're prayed and so uh how do you understand that well i i think the idea here is that the lord will anticipate prayers uh and and answer them before they are prayed Uh, i'm not sure by the way that that's not something that we don't experience today also uh, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Lord often anticipates our prayers and at least sets the answers in motion today uh, before they are prayed. Brother, how is it that God could know our prayers before we pray them? He knows all things. Yeah, He's omniscient. <laughs> he knows everything, uh, and of course, He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future, and so of course He's able today to answer prayers before they're prayed if He chooses to. Uh, This will be a feature of blessings um, in the millennium. It's just kind of a neat idea. Uh, Verse 25 is is, uh, sort of a review of a neat idea also. Uh, The animal kingdom will be redeemed and at peace one with another. Uh, We too will be at peace with the animal kingdom. Saw this idea a little bit last week. Verse 25, the wolf uh, and the lamb shall feed together, uh, not upon one another, but uh, eat together. Uh, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. Uh, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Well, praise God. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like serpents, Brother Gary. I don't, I've made that very clear. I don't like snakes. I don't, Raphael will have to fear a snake bite for a thousand years and, and beyond. Pra- praise God. I don't think I've ever been bitten by a snake, but I still fear that. Do you have fears that aren't quite rational? Struggle? Yeah, we do, right? It's just part of our sin nature, I think. Uh, Lord, help us give those over to you um, and no peace. So there's some ideas there uh, that we've seen before uh, with some new new, similar ideas mixed in. Let's charge right forward now into uh, chapter 66. so here, Isaiah is concluding the book. I think there's a sense in which it ends somewhat abruptly, Brother Ray, but on the other hand, he's presented ideas and, and reviewed many of the same ideas multiple times, and so uh, it's uh, not, not an abrupt ending to the book in that sense, but uh, we see here uh, the theme of, of the Lord's call to repentance. Uh, blessings for those who would repent, future blessings, present blessings, uh, judgment, uh, future judgment, present judgment for for those who do not. Uh, Of course, this is Isaiah writing to the people in the millennium, uh, excuse me, writing to people um, uh, in his day uh, who were at risk of and perhaps at this point experiencing uh, the judgment of the captivity. that's that's uh, timeline wise, certainly a possibility. Uh, and so these themes would have been very relevant to those people, but they're they're relevant to us also. over and over and over again over the last year, we've seen this recurring theme of 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 judgment for refusal to repent and get right, blessings for those who uh, who would get right, both present and future uh, in in both counts. So, uh, first of all, see verse uh, 1, Isaiah 66 verse 1 uh, shares some uh, or an, an attribute of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord is speaking, uh, the heaven is my throne uh, and the earth is my footstool. Uh, that's Picture that. He's sitting upon throne room in heaven, Zach, but the earth is pictured as his footstool. Uh, where is the house that, where is the house that ye build unto me? Uh, or for me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, uh, and all those things have been said, uh, seen. Let me try that again. And all those things have been, uh, saith the Lord." So here's a picture of the Lord in the throne room of heaven, uh, His, His uh, being extended to the earth, His, His, His feet or His footstool upon the earth. Um, And and a question, where is the house that ye build unto me? might be tempted to think maybe that's a reference to the tabernacle or the temple. I don't think that's the case here. Uh, There is a picture here of the Lord on high, Brother A, seated in the heaven that He made. Uh, We didn't make heaven. We didn't make the throne room of heaven. Uh, He did Uh, in the six-day creation week. He made all of creation. Uh, he is high above us. We, he is the creator. We are the created. Uh, he has great authority. Uh, we do not have any authority uh, that he does not invest in us as, as he sees fit. So uh, the idea here of a God who is high above uh, creator hinted at here. Uh, Zach, there's a word that refers to the fact that the Lord is high. It's transcendent. This would be his transcendence. He's, he's high above us literally. Uh, if heaven is at the boundary of creation, that's literally true, Uh, but high above us in every way figuratively also. Uh, There's another word that refers to the fact that the Lord is very close to us, brother, even in us, and that's his imminence. Not imminent, like about to occur, but imminence. He is both high above and very close. He's both. How's that possible? He's God, (laughs) he's God. He's transcendent, high above us, Uh, and imminent, uh, very close to us, even indwelling us. Uh, Think about the privilege that's implied by both of those truths. The one who is uh, infinitely high above uh, has also chosen uh, to be close to us, to be in us, to indwell us. That's an amazing privilege. Uh, Second part of verse two says, but to this man will I look, uh, even to him that is poor, uh, humble would be the idea here, and of a contrite spirit, uh, and trembleth at my word." So uh, the, the, the God who is high above is interested, uh, and, and, Brother Ray, uh, and who has humbled himself to come uh, and to indwell us is interested in people who would humble themselves before him. Stop think about this for a minute, did, did Christ humble himself when he came? Most certainly he did. He He's as transcendent as the Father, as the Holy Spirit. Uh, certainly he humbled himself to come, uh, to be born in a lowly manger, to, to, to suffer all the indignities that a man could experience um, and more, uh, most certainly including the cross. Uh, Christ certainly has humbled himself from a place of transcendence. Um, and he is looking for people who would similarly humble themselves before God the Father and before himself. Uh, he came, Zach as, a hum- as an example of the humility that he desires his people to demonstrate back toward him. But to this man will I look, who, who Lord? Uh, even to him that is poor, humble, and of a contrite spirit, uh, and trembleth at my word. The word contrite there uh, is interesting. Uh, it's also translated lame um uh, it like someone who is lame as they walk. it has the sense, the literal sense of maimed or perhaps broken. Uh, Zach, probably the picture here is someone whose pride has been broken uh, they're 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 no longer living for themselves but humbling themselves, giving themselves uh, to the Lord. Um, this verse um. Well, verses one and two are quoted by Stephen uh, in Acts seven. If you want to go there real fast and look, you can. I'll, I'll read it if you just want to listen. But uh, in Acts seven, uh, around verse verse forty-eight, uh, not around, but at verse forty-eight, uh, Stephen's been stoned in this chapter. Uh, he says, "How be it that the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, the well, prophet Isaiah." Uh, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? Zach Stephen died a martyr, one who was very humbly yielded to the Lord, uh, even unto death as Christ was yielded and humbled uh, to God the Father, even as unto death. And so Um, The the picture here is um, of the Lord's desire to look to. Uh, Brother Ray, blessings are implied for those who would humble themselves under the Lord, uh, who is high above, who is transcendent, um, um, and people who would tremble at his words, uh, understanding uh, his authority and, and his transcendence. Uh, Certainly, this would be a great encouragement to the people of Isaiah's day. Hey, uh, humble yourself under the hand of this God who is transcendent. Uh, There's blessings in store, if you will. But boy, uh, this this God who is so very high above, so powerful, so authoritative, uh, it's great ability to deal with us if if we choose not to. Uh, He's talking to people um, uh, in verse 3. Uh, who are pictured as, as people who had laid aside all of God's words rather than trembling at his word, end of verse 2. Uh, they're just ignoring his words and uh, delighting in their abominations is the end of verse 3. Look at the end of verse 3. Their soul delighteth uh, in their abominations. Of course, that's where the world is again, uh, that people are delighting in their abominations, celebrating their abominations uh, I posted a verse from a portion of a verse from Isaiah this week online. Uh, Isaiah 5:20 says, "Woe unto them that call evil good." Well, that's the world that we live in today, brother. Right? People are running around, especially this month, calling evil good. Everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, but uh, the Lord says, "Woe, uh, woe unto them that call evil good." That's... Woe there is not the idea of stop doing that, although that's implied, but it's woe in the sense of consequences, judgment for doing that. See verse 3, he that uh, killeth an ox as if he slew a man. In Isaiah's day, uh, there was so much violence that uh, killing a, a man was no different than killing an ox in the eyes of many. Um, I'm afraid that we see pockets of that same kind of thinking today. Uh, You see the crime statistics, murder rates uh, in in certain cities, but not only in urban environments. It seems like shooting uh, and killing another person is is treated very lightly. That was the case in Isaiah's day, Uh, certainly probably the case in Noah's day also. It's the case today. Uh, he that sacrificeth a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck, um, the, the profaning of the sacrifices, uh, the the proper performance of sacrifices, people people simply did not care about that. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood, uh, that that would be uh, most definitely prohibited by the law. Uh, Zach, swine, uh, pigs, uh, anything having to do with them were, was prohibited by the law. You certainly would not offer swine's blood in performing the sacrifices that were required under law. He that burneth incense is if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. That was the nature uh, of society um, in Isaiah's day brother a it's clearly uh the nature of society today as well Uh, we don't have to be caught up in that praise god we're not Uh, we're people who are trembling under the hand of god Uh, we are uh, endeavoring to be people who humble themselves before him uh, people who tremble at his words who take them very seriously uh, and who endeavor to, to study them to know them to live according to them with the lord's help Verse four has the idea that, hey, well, Judah, uh, people of Judah would choose their sin and delight in it. Uh, The Lord would choose their judgment. Uh, Verse four, Isaiah writes the Lord's words. He says, I will also, I also will choose their delusions. Uh, The word that's translated delusion, interesting. It it, it has the idea of, of vexations. Uh, I know that uh, there's prophecy regarding people being deluded um, in in times, uh, and and this this could be the case here. It has the literal idea of vexations, probably just a general reference to the judgment or trial of judgment here for sin. Uh, I also will choose, this is is the, the more important point, the Lord will choose the consequence of their sin. They're choosing their sin, uh, but the transcendent God is going to choose the consequences that they will experience for their sin uh, and for their correction because he's a loving, just, and merciful God. Uh, I will bring fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, uh, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. Lord, give us hearts to delight you uh, rather than to live for our own delight. You live for the Lord's delight, uh, he'll, he'll delight us. Um, those who reject the Lord will be ashamed, uh, but there'll be joy for those who, um, who hear his words. Verse 5, hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his words. So that's the second reference to trembling uh, at the Lord's words. Uh, we know that we're called to cultivate a fear of the Lord, a profound uh, respect that, that butts right up against fear. Uh, the fear, the word fear in Old Testament that's usually used in that context is, is cardia, which is like cardiac, heart, like your heart pounding when you're afraid, Brother Ray. So um, it, is, it is a profound respect that is really consistent with a genuine fear. It's a It's a profound respect. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. Hear it, ye that tremble at his word. Cultivate a profound respect for him and his words, and hear his words. Uh, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out from my name's stake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, uh, and they shall be ashamed. They said certain things, but they didn't mean them. Other people who, who truly trembled before the Lord received his words, be blessed with joy. Those, those who uh, were insincere, who did not tremble in his words, will, will know the, the shame of, of judgment. So the, the principles that we've, we've been seeing uh, over and over again, Isaiah is summarizing many things in, in these uh, last several chapters. Lord will deal with his enemies. Verse six, a, a voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. Uh, Recompense is that which is deserved. Uh, Brother A, is God just? Is he completely just? He is, even when it doesn't appear that way to us, uh, he is a perfectly just God. So uh, he's God who's able to render recompense uh, to render consequences that are perfectly just. God, God never judges unjustly. Of course, he calls us to be just uh, one toward another as well. But here, the idea of, of rendering recompense to his enemies, uh, judgment or consequences uh, to those who would not repent uh, under his authority uh, before him. Um, and verse, verses 7 through 9 um, turns more to uh, the blessings um, and, and really the, the bulk of the chapter, much of the chapter from this point down, um, is is blessings for those who, who do respect the Lord, who do fear him, who do tremble uh, at his words. There's a kind of an admixture of blessings for those and judgment or, or trial for those who did not or who will not. Um, These are pretty well-known verses, I think, and they've been understood different ways by by different people at different times, but uh, verses seven through nine would seem to poetically compare Israel uh, to a woman in labor. Um, uh, Ladies who have been in labor, that's that's a pretty big trial, right? That's a pretty big challenge. Um, That involves some travail, word we find here in King James, um, and uh, assuming all goes well, there, there's, a, there's a delivery of some good thing at the end of that travail. That's the picture here, which seemed to be the picture of uh, Israel being reborn uh, at the end of the tribulation going into the millennium. There'll be a period of great trial, a period of great travail, the Lord compares to a woman in labor. Uh, he'll use that trial to bring forth a good thing, uh, a reborn, uh, corrected uh, Israel uh, at the end of the millennium, uh, at the, forgive me, at the end of the tribulation going into the millennium, I think really must be the case here. So that's the, that's the picture. Verse 7, uh, before she travailed, uh, she brought forth, before her pain came, she was delivered of a, a man-child. Um, so why do you see one thing here. So in verse seven, it's a singular man-child. Uh, look at the end of verse eight, uh, it's her children. So plural children here, uh, man-child verse seven. Uh, Zach, I'm making an argument that man-child here in verse seven almost certainly is Christ and that the children at the end of verse eight are those who ultimately will be saved, uh, partaking of the salvation that Christ made possible. Um, why, why would I argue that? Well, in verse 7, there's a man-child coming before she travailed, before she brought forth, before her pain came. She was delivered of a man-child, one, one. Before this time of trial, Brother Ray, Christ came. He came as a man-child. That's, that's, a, that's a literal fact. I think that that fits what we know. Um, The Lord sent his only begotten son to provide a way of salvation uh, for the people of Judah in the time of Isaiah uh, and for us, obviously. So this this pretty clearly would be a picture, uh, an allusion to a prophecy of the first coming of Christ um, at the manger, at, at his incarnation. Of course, he'll come again, and Isaiah has prophesied that too. Um, In verse eight, um, there's a time of travail. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion or Israel travailed, uh, she brought forth her children now, Uh, plural, multiple children. And so this, this could be a reference to people just being saved, Brother Ray, in the tribulation. Um, But I I think probably has, uh, may allude to that, probably does, but probably also alludes to a a reborn Israel being born out of the tribulation, prepared for the Lord at his return uh, just prior to the the millennium. Um, Verse 9 continues, uh, the Lord is speaking, shall I bring to the birth uh, and not cause to bring forth? saith the Lord. Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, uh, saith thy God." So there, here there seems to be an offer of assurance that the Lord uh, actually will deliver people through the travail uh, of the tribulation period. There won't be suffering without the delivery of a good result at the end. People will be saved during the future tribulation, Uh, As people were corrected during the past uh, captivity of Judah, people will be corrected and saved during the future travail of the tribulation period. Uh, There will be uh, a a delivery of some good thing. Individuals saved, uh, a nation redeemed. Uh, And so this would be very encouraging to the people of Isaiah's day. Uh, those who are saved into a redeemed Israel will know great millennial blessings. Uh, millennial would be a time of rejoicing. Verse 10, uh, rejoice ye with Jerusalem uh, and be glad with her, all ye that love her. Rejoice uh, for joy with her, all ye uh, that mourn for her. So there'd be uh, past mourning for Israel, Brother A Present mourning also, certainly. Uh, Israel is not uh, even close to where it should be spiritually. Uh, we understand that this has been prophesied. Uh, their uh, correction uh, and ultimate delivery is also prophesied. Uh, at the end of the millennium, forgive me, again, at the end of the tribulation, there, there will be a time for rejoicing. Uh, Verse 11 uh, extends this metaphor of a woman who has been in labor and who now has delivered. Uh, The Lord has put people through a time of trouble, the tribulation. Uh, They have been delivered, Brother Ray. They've been saved. Uh, And now the Lord extends that metaphor further by picturing a mom uh, who is providing sustenance to her newborn children. So this poetry, but it's, it's wonderful poetry that brings forth great truths. Um, poetry that the Lord uh, who saved them, who brought them forth through great travail, trials and difficulties, will also continue to provide for them. Here's the, here's the language of this poetry, verse 11. That or so that ye may suck as a newborn uh, breastfeeds or nurses, that ye may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolation, uh, that or so that ye may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. So you may look at that and say, well, that's kind of graphic, but it's, it would be an understandable metaphor. It's poetry that's understood. Uh, labor that a woman experiences, a time of trial, uh, ultimately ending in some good thing, uh, a baby coming forth, a person being saved, uh, and then being provided for by the mother, hear the Lord. Uh, it's wonderful poetry, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, more prophecies uh, of peace in verse 12. Uh, do see verse 12 because uh, we, we sang, Uh, in reference to verse 12 already this morning. Verse 12 says, for thus saith the Lord, uh, behold, I will extend, read it with me, church, uh, peace to her like a river. There you go, peace like a river. Uh, This is a prophecy of peace in the millennium. Uh, And the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye suck, um, nurse, Uh, ye shall be born upon her sides and be dandled upon her knees. And so think about the metaphor again. Mom has been in labor. She's delivered. uh, She's now nursing this child, providing for the child. Uh, And here's a picture of the child kind of in her lap or maybe being bounced on her knee, Brother Ray, uh, comforted. Mom is providing for and and comforting this this child uh, as it grows. Born upon her sides, dandled upon her knees. Uh, this wonderful picture of god bringing uh people through a difficult time for a good purpose and then providing for them as a mom provides for her child and comforting them uh as a mom provides for her child zach there'd probably be nothing more familiar than this picture this imagery that the lord could call upon this be familiar to anyone of a certain age at least in isaiah's day Uh, and in our day also. So it's familiar imagery Lord's calling upon, employing here uh, to prophesy uh, his provision, his comfort. Verse 13, as one whom his mother comforteth, there you go, in case case you didn't quite get the the poetry or the picture, uh, he makes it very clear, he interprets it for us, just like one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Verse 14, when you see this, your heart shall rejoice, amen. Your bones shall flourish like an herb and the hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants uh, and his indignation toward uh, his enemies. So there's enemies coming back into the picture here. Uh, The Lord certainly will judge his enemies and and that that will occur. Verse 15, for behold, Lord will come with fire and with chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and uh, his rebuke with flames of fire, uh, this probably is a reference to the second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation period. Um, could be a reference or an allusion to the um, the Great White Throne judgment, but but um, probably probably a reference to his second coming, uh, where he will put down his enemies at Armageddon. Verse 16, for by fire uh, and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, uh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many, uh, a great many. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree, in the midst eating, so that be idolatry, uh, eating swine's flesh, disobeying the law, the abomination and the mouth shall be consumed together, saith the Lord. Yeah, sure enough, he's going to put down his enemies in judgment when he comes. Um, He will accomplish that for his good purposes, Brother Ray. Um, So verse 18, continuing into the millennium, Isaiah writes, for I know their works and their thoughts, Uh, it shall come, the Lord speaking, I know their works and their thoughts, it shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues uh, and they shall come and see my glory. Again, we know Israel will will know the the gathering of Gentile nations and armies. at her doors uh, there at the end of the tribulation. Uh, Lord says, he is the one that's going to gather them there. I will gather all nations and tongues and, th- and they shall come and see my glory. They will all be gathered together and they will all see his glory together uh, when he comes. I think this is very likely at Armageddon. Verse 19, and I will set a sign among them and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations. Uh, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, that draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the sides, uh, forgive me, to the isles uh, far off that have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory, uh, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. So I think this is the idea that, um, there again, there will be people who will be born in the millennium and will need to be evangelized. They'll need to hear the gospel, uh, and and so people will be used of the Lord to to go throughout the earth, uh, just as he's called us to today, uh, and to share the gospel that people be saved prior to the end of that hundred years the Lord allows for them to be saved. Verse 20, they shall bring all your brethren uh, for an offering unto the Lord out of all nations. Uh, Some will be saved upon horses and chariots and litters and mules and upon swift beasts to my holy mountain before Jerusalem, saith the Lord, Uh, as the children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel into the house of the Lord, uh, and I will also take of them for priests, for Levites, uh, saith the Lord." So there's a house of the Lord, there's priests and Levites, and so this pretty plainly points to a millennial temple, Uh, I believe it probably has to be different than the tribulation temple but there is a millennial temple, there's priests and Levites. Make a note, please. Uh, We'll get there, but make a note that in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 40, uh, chapter 40 through chapter 46, uh, deals a great deal with the millennial temple and the the service, uh, ministry, and worship at the millennial temple. Uh, We'll see that. Uh, Following the millennium, verse 22, There'll be new heavens and new earth, verse 22, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Uh, Similarly, the worship at the millennial temple will continue throughout the millennium. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord, amen. Uh, and then verse 24, they shall go forth and look upon, this is a very interesting verse, we don't really have a lot of time, but uh, it is the last verse, <laughs> it's the last verse of Isaiah. So I said, it, it does feel like it kind of ends a little bit abruptly, even though he's, the Lord has dealt with many of these themes multiple times uh, throughout these chapters. Um, so there's worship continuing at the millennial temple throughout the millennium. Compare Ezekiel 40 through 46. People are coming uh, from one Sabbath to another to worship for me, saith the Lord. Verse 24 says, they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall die not, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be in a boring unto all flesh. Well, we know that language is consistent with the idea of hell and the lake of fire. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 9, 48, the place where the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched, one's conscious existence does not end in hell uh, or the lake of fire. There's a conscience, ongoing, eternal suffering that would be experienced by those who reject Christ the Messiah. What's interesting in verse 24 is that there's some kind of Um, reminder of this that people are exposed to evidently as they come to the Millennial Temple. Uh, Someone said this this might be like Brother A, like a war memorial uh, that might be erected in the place of Armageddon as a reminder of all who died and they, they died because they refused Christ and perhaps with verses that would remind that uh, sure enough, they're, just as you are being blessed now and experience millennial blessings, the rest are experiencing judgment uh, in a very real hell. Uh, this could be the idea, but it, what's clear in verse 24 is that there is some kind of reminder that, that people will see um, and be, be reminded that sure enough, sure enough, those who rejected Christ are suffering. Uh, while you are being blessed. Zach, stop to think about this. We're out of time, but, but think about it for a moment. What might be God's purpose for that? As there's people coming to worship at the Millennial Temple, there's some kind of way by which they are reminded of the judgment of those who rejected the Christ who's being worshipped there. What, what might be God's purpose for that? I think that's the first thing that comes to mind for me um it would cause a gratitude for sh- for sure um you know i don't think we're going to be at risk of of not being grateful for the blessings of the of millennium brother ray but i do also at the same time in the next breath think that uh, an ever present reminder of the fact that not only are we being blessed as we're being blessed but we're Blessed with not experiencing uh, the just consequences of our sin, so this be a this be a reminder, a visible reminder, I believe, of the truth that while we're being blessed, we are escaping the just punishment that that we deserve. And Zach, that that should that should cause us to be that much more grateful throughout that time. Uh, Lord may have other purposes. We'll, we'll know, we'll have better understanding of this verse when we get there. Uh, Brother A will experience the benefit of this, all, all that the Lord intends, but, but certainly uh, a reminder and a encouragement of our gratitude is, is most certainly in, in view here, I believe. That's the end of the book. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, so very much for this most incredible, most amazing portion of scripture. Lord, so much of what Isaiah prophesied has been fulfilled in history. We can see that plainly. Uh, Even secular history recognizes that much of what he prophesied has in fact been fulfilled. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, these things that are still future, um, we um, would meditate upon them, that our confidence that these things will in fact come to pass be greatly encouraged by the fact that much of what Isaiah prophesied historically uh, has been fulfilled historically. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for that. Father, help us to never lose sight of the fact that the blessings that are in view here are made possible because of Christ, the cross, the blood that was shed, his body that was broken. He is at the center of this book, and He is the one who makes possible the blessings that are our hope. Lord, thank You this morning that um, we're blessed with the hope that a certain hope that will not spend a moment in hell or the lake of fire. Lord, thank You, Father. I love You. Ask that You work in the next hour. Now pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, I hope this has been a blessing. I hope this has been a blessing. Uh, Again, Zach, speak next Sunday morning, uh, and then two Sundays from now, we'll, uh, Lord willing, jump into um, Revelation. So uh, keep me in prayer as I prepare for that, and uh, hopefully that'll be a a blessing. Okay, Brother Ray. (laughs) Thank you, sir.